Hi, and welcome to NACIO Voices, where we talk all things state IT. I'm Amy Glasscock in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Matt Pincus here in Washington, D.C. Today, we'll be talking with Mike Ware and Mike Griffin with the North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality about their program using unmanned aerial systems or drones to do environmental mapping. Mike Ware is the CIO for the department, and Mike Griffin is the lead GIS architect for the department. Last week, NACIO announced that this project was a NACIO State IT Recognition Award winner in the category of Business Process Innovations, and they're here to tell us all about it. Mike and Mike, thanks for joining us on NACIO Voices. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Very excited to talk about our, uh, our program that we've got going on. Well, we're excited to have you guys. And uh, before we get into the project, uh, can you tell us your roles with North Carolina's Department of Environmental Quality and briefly your professional background? Uh, Mike Griffin, let's start with you. Yeah, sure. Um, I've been with the state for, I don't know, a little over five years now. Um, work for uh, Department of Information Technology, but we're, we work very closely with environmental quality. You know, I've got a background in computer engineering, electronics engineering, and uh, geography and aviation. And that geography and aviation is kind of what led me to, to this drone project. All right, so hey, I'm, I'm Mike Ware. I've been with the state for just, a, just coming up on six years now. Um, I retired from the Air Force after 24 years. I did 10 years experience, enlisted working on the B-1 bomber, which has nothing to do with IT, but it did prepare me for aviation stuff. Uh, the rest of the time, I did COM, which is Air Force speak for I did IT work. A lot of progressive leadership roles um, until I retired. Then I joined the state in 2014. And in 2016, the state was working on its first phase of consolidating a lot of our IT staff members from the different agencies into the Department of Information Technology. And at that time, um, that's when I got picked up as CIO for the Department of Environmental Quality. And then I think uh, we'll let Mike talk about the exciting parts, but then we started looking at this drone program, and that's, uh, I think, we're going to talk a little bit more about today. Yeah, so perfect perfect segue, and uh, appreciate you guys talking a little bit about your backgrounds. Are you both uh, native North Carolinians? I am. This is Mike Griffin. Um, I'm born and raised here, so mostly eastern North Carolina all my life. And how about you, Mike Ware? I am decidedly not i my dad was in the air force and then i joined the air force so i think i've lived about 15 different places <laughs> fantastic all right so let's talk about the project will you guys walk us through how this project came about and got started sure initially you know i'd say i don't know mike it's probably been about three years ago we started getting a lot of uh a lot of questions from biologists you know different sections within deq asking about, you know, what, what can we use this technology for? They had all these different ideas. So we started exploring the technology and we uh, partnered with University of North Carolina Wilmington uh, to do some kind of case studies um, with habitat mapping. And first day or two in those uh, case studies, we quickly realized that this is going to be a game changer. I mean, it just, there's so many, so many different avenues you can take this and um, just those you know, a few case studies we did with UNCW, we were doing 80 acres of uh, habitat mapping in a matter of 20 minutes, something that would have took eight, nine days with traditional methods. So from there, you know, we realized the, the impact that it could have. So we started formalizing a plan, putting together a policy, uh, looking at airframes, just kind of started to get the, get the ball rolling on getting the program started for DEQ. 
Great. And so how do you guys manage the drones? Like, do you have a lot of them? Do you have fleet management like you would if it was a fleet of vehicles? Like, how does that all work? So this is Mike Ware. So this is one of the things Mike Griffin gets to do all the fun techie stuff. And this is this is the boring stuff that I get to pick up. So we started with Mike putting together the policy and procedures. And we absolutely knew from the beginning, especially when I was talking to other senior leaders in environmental quality, that this didn't want to be viewed as as we're playing with a bunch of toys, right? And then we're going to buy something. It's going to get put in a closet. We're going to find it for 10 years. And then some auditor is going to come in, you know, slap us on the wrist. So we formalized a lot of it. So we, I think we have a really good policy procedure program that's been vetted by the lawyers. Uh, it's, it's actually been signed, uh, which which if, I don't know, it, it was, that was a little bit of a hurdle to get through, but um, not because of the content, just how long it takes to get something, a policy signed. So that was a big win. And then we started looking at purchasing discipline. So first we partnered with the CFO and basically said, hey, let's make sure if you see any drone come across your desk, make sure it comes over to me so we can make sure it's vetted. And so we put together a work group and Mike pretty much, Mike Griffin pretty much heads that up. And basically making sure that we're using the same kind of frames if we need a new sensor, that they talk about it as a group. So we're not having different divisions spend different pots of money and all of a sudden we get a bunch of things that don't work well together. So we got the work group put together and make sure that we're, we're working on a common platform. And then we have two pieces of software I think that are key in this. Now one, we purchased DJI drones and we purchased 14 of them so far. And if you're listening to this, you're probably interested in drones. You know they're Chinese. So great drones can't use their software. So we have our own. Um, we have already a pretty good ArcGIS environment. Um, and Mike's really good with that. So we use Drone to Map for map mapping and processing. And then we use a piece of software called Kitty Hawk. And this is how... Uh, I'm finally getting around to answering your question. This is how we look at the fleet as a whole. So each drone is loaded into Kitty Hawk software. We can see it by serial number. We can assign pilots to the software so we can see how many hours of flight they have. And it gives us a really good dashboard view of, of where the drones are located, who's been flying them, um, how many hours each drone has on them. So that way we have a good picture. And if somebody says, well, we need another drone, we can use these management tools and say, well, we've already got three located in this area. And we do have the 14 drones. Oh, Mike might need to say exactly where they are, but we've got seven to eight remote locations and we've got drones deployed in most of those locations. So we cover the state fairly well. And that felt like a long answer. So that's perfect. You're talking about things that are like NASIO's bread and butter. The first part of what you were talking about, I spent most of the summer and early fall working on a publication with EY on governance of emerging technology. So if you're talking about, you know, wanting everything to work together and having this work group put together. I mean, that's awesome. And then, of course, security aspect of all of that with the yes. Chinese drones. Definitely stuff that we talk about a lot at NASIO. So just kind of moving on a bit. I know you've been able to accomplish a lot with this program already, thus your award from NASIO. So tell us about some of those successes so far. Yeah, so this is Mike Griffin again. A few of them, you know, that we kind of outlined in the, you know, submission for the NASIO. One of them, one of the big ones was the Estuarine uh, Benthic Habitat Mapping Program. Uh, this is where we, you know, really gained a lot of, you know, efficiencies 
with this, you know, traditionally a three-person team uh, and with traditional method methods mapped about 10 acres in a day. With the, you know, implementation of the drones, we were able to do about 80 acres in under 25 minutes. And we do do these flights within, a, you know, within an hour of uh, low tide. So we, we've got about two hours to play with each day. So you can imagine if you get 80 acres in, you know, 20 minutes and you got two hours to play with, you can get quite a bit of acreage uh, in one day. And that's with it, you know, yeah. you could do that with a one or two person team versus what traditionally you're doing a three person team and 10 acres in a day. And with that, you know, we can map, you know, shellfish, we can map submerged aquatic vegetation, sandy bottom versus muddy bottom, different aspects of that, things that we have documented in this program in the past. So we've really gained a lot of efficiencies in that program. And we've also done, so recently, you know, being 2020, we've got, <laughs> COVID, uh, we had a tropical storm and an earthquake within within a month of each other, uh, which earthquakes are obviously very rare for North Carolina. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess it's just the nature of 2020. Uh, but that gave us an opportunity for, for using the drones to uh, map fault lines uh, after the earthquake. And we compared data, you know, with like kind of satellite imagery following the earthquake versus the drone surveys that we did. And the uh, Asheville group that did the surveys in the, for the earthquake, I mean, it's just amazing how much detail you can see. You can see a, a six inch tr trench that was, you know, formed after this earthquake. Um, it's just, the detail is unreal. So it's, it's really cool to be able to kind of document that stuff after an event. The uh, same group in the Asheville office has, has used it uh, quite a bit for landslide mapping. We get those quite a bit after rainfall events in the in the mountainous areas. You know, this is you know a game changer for that. It just allows you to quickly survey an area and uh, help in your response to quickly. You know, because a lot of times it'll it'll block a road, so it just you know makes the response efforts so much quicker. So incredible. And I saw some of those comparison photos in your award submission, and um, those are available on NASIO's website if folks want to go check them out. But the level of detail is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unreal what you can get with these things. Uh, but yeah, those are a few. Uh, we also use it a little bit for hurricane response efforts, you know, identifying, you know, different areas of concern and stranded vessels and things like that after a storm. But yeah, that's just kind of a few highlights of you know, some stuff we've done so far. So I just wanted to hit on this. When you're looking at the photos, and I don't think they're on the award of the earthquake event, there's some photos taken on the ground in the same area. You would not see the fault line on the ground. From, from where you are. So that and the lines, the landslide mapping, you just be having the drone up in the air, of course, by definition, right? But gives you a picture that you absolutely cannot get from the ground and you can get better photos without putting any staff at risk. So I thought that was very significant. And I think that's the point that, that I was gonna follow up on, which is, you know, you guys are using this emerging technology to benefit, you know, real world policy decisions, whether it's from a public safety or it's a department of transportation. And like you said, you can't do that if you're just taking photos or video from the ground. So when we talk about emerging technology, I feel like there's always this undercurrent of concern that technology is taking jobs away from people, but it, often in reality, the technologies are, you know, enhancing individuals' work. So I know that using drones is saving a lot of field time for DEQ employees. What are those employees doing with that save time now? So yeah, this is Mike Griffin again. Um, yeah, this has been this has been great because 
you know, we've been able to, uh, you know, focus that field staff on new projects, on other projects. One that, you know, kind of stands out in mind. So the field staff that are responsible for that habitat mapping, uh, they also do all the shellfish leasing uh, investigations for the state. And over the last five years, you know, we've had a drastic increase in the number of applications for shellfish leasings. So, I mean, it's been really taxing on their time and they haven't had much time to do mapping as they historically would have. But with this technology, their productivity and mapping has actually increased, even though their uh, time dedicated to it has been drastically cut due to their uh, you know, time getting pulled elsewhere. You know, it's really helped out in a number of ways. And it kind of gives the field staff more uh, more time to kind of do some post-processing and learn that aspect of it in the office as well, because uh, they're not having to spend all their time in the field. So that helps out the biologists and the other folks as well, because it kind of pulls some of their load off of them. That's great. Mike Ware, anything to add on that? The field staff, it takes them a lot of time to like think about logistics, right? They have to get a boat, go out there, go do some things. They can get a boat, they throw the drone up, and then get a, a vast amount of surface area covered in a fraction of the time. And so when we get this question quite a bit for some other projects I'm working on is, is, is this technology going to take my job away? And what we're just saying is, you know, no, you get, you have time to do all the things that you were supposed to be doing. <laughs> so um, there's right. plenty of work to be done. Right. That's great. So tell me guys, what else is on the horizon for the drone program? So yeah, we've got a lot of um, you know exciting things on the horizon. We've recently met with staff members to iron out plans for mapping harmful algal blooms. Uh, we get them from you know time to time with other state. And whenever you document these, you know they can be harm- harmful to put staff members out in a boat to go you know map the extent of these. Uh, so we put together a plan, and uh, moving forward, we're going to start mapping mapping these with the drone. Cold sun events. We also get. Not every year, but, you know, cold years, we'll get some fish done uh, events that we need to document the extent and estimate the number of fish affected. So we put together a plan to cover that. We're expanding on the earthquake surveys that we uh, talked about briefly earlier. Dye studies is another cool thing. Uh, So we do a lot of water quality planning. And part of that is like, you know, around, you know, wastewater treatment plants or something like that. You need to get know what the flow is around that in that estuary. So if there is a failure at that at that plant, you have an idea of where that uh, pollution is going. So to do that, we do dye studies. So you just dump a bunch of red dye, it's, it's rhodamine dye in the water. And historically, you kind of follow it with boats and, and uh, tools in the field to measure the concentration. But now we're gonna do that with drones. It makes the, the water kind of a bright red uh, so we can just send up a couple drones to map the extent and see how that water flows in, in different regions. And then we've also got in place now inspection protocols for dams, for mines, docks. This is all stuff that we've historically investigated with boots on the ground in DEQ, but now we're now we're able to kind of do that with drones and it keeps the staff out of out of conditions that might not be favorable to hike through woods or, you know, go through briars or, you know, whatever it is, whatever, if you're investigating a, di- a dam or something like that. Uh, so this allows them to just get to a safe place, send up the drone, take a, take a quick video, a couple of images, make sure everything looks good and uh, go about your business. So there's some cool things on the horizon that we've got uh, set up and are moving forward with. That is so cool. I just wanted to add one thing. One of the things that we're looking at is, um, 
as far as emergencies go in North Carolina, hurricanes is probably the biggest one. So we stand up an emergencies center uh, all the time. And with the Kitty Hawk software, Kitty Hawk has a live feed function. And so I think in the future, we're going to be able to do like real-time damage assessment where the, the people in the emergency center can tell the drone operator to go left, go right, you know, pan left, pan up and down, and, and really get a good view of the damage in real time. And I think we're going to see more cases for that to be used. The only other thing is, um, is something I was told I wasn't allowed to do from the beginning, and then they said I can never weaponize the drones, so that's off the table. <laughs> It's probably a good idea. Reverting um, back to your military days, Mike. Yes. <laughs> so from the NASIO perspective, you know, of course, we're always interested in the role of the enterprise IT office in the state. So can you talk a little more about the role that the North Carolina Department of Information Technology played in the project? Yeah, sure. So um, all the IT staff in DEQ are, are DIT staff. So with that consolidation effort that we went in 2016, and, um, and a lot of that has just been purely focused on teamwork. DIT as a department has supported us, Department of Insurance. It was amazing, they already had a drone policy up, so we were able to get that, I think, in the same day, and it was, it was like $50 a year for per drone, so it was really, really cheap. Department of Transportation, uh, their IT staff are also consolidated. They have an aviation division, so we leaned on them uh, a lot for, um, how do you do this? How do you do that? What's some considerations? And and I know Mike has been to probably three, four, well, probably more than that uh, events that they've hosted. Uh, Department of Public Safety for North Carolina has law enforcement, and they have a lot of drones. And again, leaning on them, they're also half of their IT staff is consolidated. So when we say Department of Information Technology and how does the enterprise work, we're talking all of those people come together. Um, to work together and and pull together this program. It's kind of cool, it's fun. You talk drones and people wanna hear about it. So that's it's always been successful to get the message out. And we've done a couple demos. And so I think Mike is pretty famous around these circles right now. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, yeah. I know North Carolina has been a leader on emerging technology for a lot of years now. We've definitely been following North Carolina stories. Um, I'm curious, has the pandemic affected this work at all? It seems like drone use would be perfect for social distancing with colleagues, right? Yeah, I mean, it's COVID hasn't really been much of a hindrance because like you said, I mean, we can get outside and most of the work we do, we can do you know one pilot out in the field and they can take that data back home with them and process because you know we're still in kind of a work from home scenario right now. It's actually been good. We've maybe even done more drone work since COVID happened. Yeah. All right, guys. So um, as we do on every NASIO Voices podcast, we like to have a little fun at the end and ask you some questions about life outside of work and specifically focusing on your state of North Carolina in a segment we call the lightning round. So so guys, we're going to ask you a couple questions and I will start the first question I'm going to ask is, what is your favorite thing about the unique environment and geography of North Carolina? Uh, Mike Ware, let's start with you, and then we'll go to Mike Griffin. All right. I'm going to say uh, the ability to hit the mountains or the beach on any given day. It's one of the reasons that we uh, we chose to retire. Well, my family and I chose to retire in this state is that, that diversity of geography. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Mike Griffin? 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a plus to North Carolina. You can get to, I mean, beach and mountains within one state. Another thing that I really like about North Carolina is just uh, all the Outer Banks. Um, the coastal region is just, you know, beautiful here. Yep, it, it certainly is. Um, yes. Second question, what's your favorite North Carolina food? Go ahead, Mike Ware. All right, so I guess the easy way out would say barbecue or seafood, but I'm going to say um, I'm, I have a penchant for sweet potato fries. Side note, more than half of America's sweet potatoes are grown in eastern North Carolina, so I'm going to say sweet potato fries. Oh. Did not know that. Fun fact. How about you, Mike Griffin? Yes. I'm going to have to go with a cliche and say uh, barbecue, but it has to be eastern style. can't be that western style stuff. But yeah, so the vinegar-based barbecue is where it's at. Yep. You guys have some fantastic uh, okay. barbecue there, and you're yeah. making me hungry. <laughs> well, Mike and Mike, it's been great talking with you both today and learning more about the project and about food in North Carolina and everything else. And congratulations on the NASIO Award. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Thanks, thank guys. you for having us. It's been great. Really appreciate it. Y'all take care. Thanks again for listening to NASIO Voices. If you would like to learn more about the North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality Award, you can find their submission in the NASIO Awards Library at nasio.org or in the show notes. We look forward to highlighting more amazing NASIO Award winners in the coming weeks. And thanks to all of our NASIO members who attended our virtual conference last week. If you registered but couldn't make it to everything, all sessions will be available on demand for the rest of the month. Thanks again and talk to you next time.